In a small town congregation, much like Westmo or Grace in Brandon, there was a lady named Wanda. Wanda was in her 90s, and she seemed to do everything. She did everything. She cleaned her house, she cooked meals, she, she mowed the yard, she shoveled snow, and she would even get up on a ladder and wash her windows every couple of months, much to the chagrin of her daughter-in-law. She kept a spotless house. It, it got to the point, you know, she would, she would wipe out her cupboard shelves for fun. But then one day Wanda collapsed and hit her head on the dishwasher. She lingered for a few weeks, but she died not long after. She died at home in her own bed. When the day of the funeral arrived, it was about 95 degrees, and the pastor was not feeling particularly well that day. Let's just call him Pastor Mike. Fighting about a stomach flu, and the funeral would be in the old church which had no air conditioning. That was good enough for that for our uh, for our mothers and fathers and for our our, our uh, ancestors in the faith. So why shouldn't it be good enough for us? Pastor Mike thought for a moment about wearing a short sleeve clergy shirt and slacks and conducting the funeral service without vesting. But he remembered Wanda and what she would have wanted. Wanda was an old-fashioned gal, after all. She was always dressed for an occasion, hair perfectly coiffed, just always ready to go out. And no matter the weather, even if it was 110 degrees outside, Wanda would be wearing her Sunday best in church, as would her husband, who would be wearing a full suit, no matter the weather. So... Mike dragged out the long sleeve clergy shirt, the wool suit, and fully vested during the service, and almost collapsed a couple of times, but managed to hold it together. After the service, one of Wanda's children came up to Mike, also in a full wool suit. I know it's beastly hot today, he said, but you did mom proud with your message and with what you wore as well. She always thought, Folks should wear their Sunday best in church. We live in a very different time now, of course. You know, most people, most of us like being casual all the time. There used to be a time when people would wear nice clothes to go out to eat, even. That doesn't happen anymore. And there's nothing wrong with wearing casual clothes all the time. There's nothing wrong with coming as you are to worship. As long as you're wearing something... <laughs> You know, it should be okay, as long as you're wearing something that's appropriate, it should be fine. But uh, back in Wanda's day, people would dress up, and they wore their best to church. And part of it was certainly about social appearances, you know. There's that old stereotype of going to church to see what everyone else is wearing, and that horrible Mrs. Hat that, that uh, Mrs. Anderson wore that day. I'm not talking about any of you. Just, but you get the idea. There was some of that social appearances stuff. You might have a nibby neighbor or two talking about that sort of thing. But wearing one's best was also about respect. It was about respect for others and respect for the place you were in. And respect for the Lord. The poor guest 
caught without the proper attire, without the proper clothes, reminds me of Wanda and wearing one's best. Not in a shallow way, to gain social approval and keep up appearances, but in a way that goes down to the core of a person. A way in which the external appearance matches what's inside, the inward reality. And at first glance, there doesn't seem, if we look at the parable, it is a strange and disturbing parable. It doesn't seem to be much rhyme or reason to it. Jesus likens the kingdom to a human king who throws a huge party for his son's wedding. He sent the invitations long in advance, and he made all the necessary preparations. Remember, too, that meat was far more expensive back then, and so slaughtering cattle would have been a big deal. This would have been a huge deal. Often people didn't eat meat unless it was, had been sacrificed in some way. So this is a big, extravagant party. Think of the most extravagant wedding party you can think of in the most, in the, in the most exotic locale, and you're getting the idea. But the guests don't come. That would have been unthinkable enough in Jesus' day. Guests did not, and still usually do not, refuse invitations from those with, more, with greater social status or more power than they, they do. But Jesus cranks up the absurdity. After sending out the slaves a second time, the invitees react in a shocking way. It seems a little over the top. They, some of them just go on their own way. They have better things to do. But others make fun of it. They beat and kill some of the slaves sent merely to ask them to come to dinner. And the absurdity doesn't stop there. The king doesn't react well, put it mildly. He goes on a destructive rampage, as we hear about. And then the king asks his slaves to go to the streets that go to the edge of town. Go to the edge of town. Invite everyone you see. Anyone who will take the invitation is welcome to come. Good or evil, rich or poor, Gentile or Jew, everyone is welcome. And that's where we'd like the parable to end. We'd like it to end right there, just as it ends in Luke's Gospel. Everyone's welcome, it's a big party. Great. That's not where Matthew ends it, though. Radical, but things take an even more shocking turn. For our poor wedding guest who is hogtied and, hogtied and hurled into the farthest darkness. For the seemingly trivial sin of not wearing the proper clothing. So what do we do with all this? Well, the fact that the story is disturbing is a good thing because that makes us question our deepest assumptions. It questions our deepest assumptions about God, about people, and what makes someone a worthy guest at God's great feast. But there's something about the dress code. There's something very important with the wedding robe, for how we live our lives. Presumably, since the host has invited all kinds of people to the wedding feast, surely... 
he could not have expected everyone to have had the proper clothes, right? But that's just the rub. He does expect everyone to have the proper garment. He expects it because if we use the Galatians text to help us, God provides such a garment himself. God has a dress code, and the required clothing is the image of Christ, which is given at a font like that one. Baptism is the powerful moment at which God says, I love you. You are my beloved child. You are part of my family. You have a place with me. No matter who you are or what you've done, you have a place. But while the gift of adoption, this gift of radical grace is free, it's far from cheap. It's not cheap because it cost God everything. Jesus went to the cross so that we could have a place. And it's not cheap for us because to accept this gift means accepting the loss of our life as it once was. We can't wear what we used to wear. Once we've put on Christ, we can't wear our old clothes. We can't be who we used to be. We grow in faith and hope and love in our own individual ways and part of a larger community of faith. We put on Christ. This isn't a have to. This is something that happens when we become part of God's family. To refuse to grow in faith, hope, and love. To refuse to grow into the saved person God has already declared us to be is to refuse God's gifts altogether. It is to refuse to wear our wedding clothes at the party that God has thrown for us and for all of creation. And that's something we don't want to miss out on. As scary as the judgment in this parable is, we have comfort and hope in God's mercy, which gives us that wedding garment in the first place in Christ. Mercy always triumphs over judgment. From the time we began this lectionary series last fall, with this terrifying story about Noah and the flood, we've heard some instances of pretty terrible judgment. Pharaoh's army at the sea, David and Bathsheba, Noah, of course, and others. But throughout it all, there is this theme that runs through all of those Bible stories, and that is God's mercy is greater than God's judgment. God's judgment may be terrible, but God's mercy, God's love is greater still, and it is for you, and it is for me. It really is a humble little meal we celebrate here every week, isn't it? A bite of some bread and a sip of wine or grape juice. But in that meal is our foretaste of the great wedding feast to come. In that meal is Christ. It's a foretaste of the banquet of Christ's victory over sin, death, and the devil. We're everything that separates us from God. So come today. Come for healing. 
Come for hope and come for growth. Grow in the wedding clothes which are given to you at baptism. Clothes that are always too big for us when we first receive them. But which we grow into as we live the Christian life. Thanks be to God. Amen.